Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. <laughs> You're on the crazy train. Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Coming to you live from a secluded location somewhere east of the Mississippi River, it's the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors, where we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Jim, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Schmitz is on the boards. And if you want to get in touch with us, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250. That's 799-1250. So, Danny, are you there? Yes, I'm there. All right, We're here. Good. And We're Sam's whichever. there. Good. Every, everybody's here. Yes, we I have hope the our te- listeners are here. We have the technology, my friend. Yep, yep. It's kind of a scary thing. Well, so, I'll tell you. I'll, go ahead. So anyway, uh, now that this week some things have kind of opened up back again, uh, I've got uh, information on the uh, and the state parks, it says, uh, from the DNR, it says, special conditions remain for Wisconsin state parks. Uh, so, despite Tony Evers, uh, or the uh, Supreme Court decision in validating his order, here's what it says. Annual park pass is now required for all state parks. Uh, you can get them online, so you don't, don't have to necessarily uh, go right to the facility to get it. It says all restrooms, facilities, towers, shelters, playgrounds, headquarters, contact stations, and concession buildings remain closed. Uh, yeah, I guess the biggest one there would be restrooms. Yeah, so if you're going to go to a state park, restrooms closed. Of course, well, I better Bring not your say own it. porter party. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, capacity limits are in place. Um, some properties may tempor- temporarily limit additional visitors from entering the park. You got to check the capacity before you head up there. And uh, some properties are closed right now at this time. I guess uh, Gibraltar, Rock State Nat- Natural Area, P E W I T S, Pewits, Nest State Natural Area. Ne- never heard of that one. Paul Fries Glen State Natural Area. And the Dells of the Wisconsin River State Natural Area and camping at state parks remains closed through May 26th. So if anybody's planning on going up, 
little information there. But I guess we're opening slow but sure, Tom. Well, I got to tell you about last week. Remember last week I was going to go fishing right after the radio show? Right, while I, I'm fishing. Uh, yeah, I called my son and I said, you realize Pewaukee has whitecaps right now. And, you know, if there's one thing we don't, we don't like fishing in the cold, but we will. Because you can dress for that. But you can't dress for wind. And especially when he's got a trolling, a bow mount electric motor that's going on the fritz every now and then. Well, anyway, so I says, Pewaukee has whitecaps. So then he calls his brother and says, uh, hey, uh, Dad says Pewaukee's got whitecaps. And Nick says, yeah. He says, I'm, uh, Little Muskego has got whitecaps too. So then they, the two of them decided to call it off. But we did go on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, let's drop the phone here. On Tuesday, uh, we went out to Pewaukee walleye fishing. Did we catch a walleye? No. Caught a smallmouth bass, caught a muskie, and that was it. So for five hours, we kind of were a little chilly, and but I was dressed for it. Not too many people at the boat launch you know, when it's 34 degrees out, so... Uh, I'm just waiting for that warmer weather. But one good thing, Danny, that, uh, well, let's see now. Yesterday was warm. Wednesday was nice. Between Wednesday and yesterday, I got most of my vegetable garden in. I just have a few more things to put in, and I'm ready. So, but, yeah, it's uh, we need this warm weather for fishing. It's so what kind, of, what kind of water temps did you have on uh, Pewaukee uh, yeah, when we started, it was 50 degrees, and when we left, it was 52. And we were trying shallow, medium, and deep. We were trying all the local areas, okay? Uh, you know, all the regular spots. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. Very, very tough. We did see some carp jumping. So carp? <laughs> that was about it, yeah. So my hot tip for you, Tom. I know you told me. Well, now I'm going to pretend no, like I'm you, telling you for the first oh, time because we're on a radio tell, show right now, Tom. You, okay, you're going to tell everybody <laughs> your hot tip? Yes. You I'm are? not like oh, you with the lake, like the lake X thing. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm surprised oh, your vegetable garden is secret. Like somebody's <laughs> going to want to come plant over there or something. <laughs> Geez, okay, there's three cars in the parking lot. Out. They followed your van. Yeah. Let let uh, let. No, I just saw some people walking out there in the docks. Okay. But anyway, uh, okay. Let your. All right, out. never mind. We'll talk about Dick's. No, you should. With it. Uh, so, bait shops. Um, bait shops uh, are open now. Smokey's Musky Shop is open, and they've been getting a lot of business there. The uh, of course the bait shop on this end is open. Dick Smith's is now open as well, but they're keeping theirs to a maximum capacity of time. How and many people? Ten. Ten? Okay. Yeah. So evidently they got a guy at the front door with a little abacus, you know, going click, 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 click. As uh, people come in, it says shop as an individual, not as a group. They've got hand sanitizer dispensers inside, and you can do... Uh, curbside service for the bait and tackle so do you think tom that some fishermen still don't want to go into a store that they're 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 they are scared and they're just gonna do the outside thing no i don't think so i think they'll go in and 
get what they want. Because it kind of seems like half the people out there are not worrying about it, and the other half are. I went to, uh, where was I? I was at a store. Oh, I was at a hardware store yesterday, and there were a couple people wearing masks, and I think they, you know, backed up and ran down the other aisle walking by without one. Um, so it, it's just kind of a strange kind of a situation right now. But I'll tell you what, people are not shy about going out to the lakes and fishing. I think more and more people are so stir-crazy that they're getting outside. I talked to a guy at the bike shop over here. I think the bike shop's doing better because people want to get out and do that outdoors type thing. Wow, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I believe you. As a matter of fact, I, I'm sitting here watching a bunch of people. Now, they don't have the public fishing piers out on the beach at Pewaukee Lake, but uh, along the rock area, my goodness, there's uh, people out there. They're fishing. They're winging musky lures, and other, I don't know what those other people are doing, but, yeah, there's people out fishing even from shore right now. Yeah, I've so, noticed a lot of lot of shore yeah. fishermen getting out. Let me ask you on the water temperatures, Tom, because you've been fishing this lake. How, how many years have you been fishing these area lakes, would you say? Now you're going to show your oh. age there, buddy. Oh, I remember I used to skip school to, when I had a vehicle. I would skip school and come out to the lakes, and that was when I was 16. So 50-some years, 50 years, 51 50 years. years. Okay, yeah. so you said you had water temperatures 50 to 52. I mean, that seems to me to be really cold for this time of year, or is that not unusual? No, it is cold for this time of year. We're about two weeks behind everything. Uh, generally, by now, you would see bluegills in the shallow water, you know, like in front of your place last year. Um, I mean, you would you would see a lot more fish activity uh, it would be a lot warmer. I would have had my garden in two weeks ago. Um, yeah, we're about two weeks behind, you know. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Now, what you do, what you say about not seeing any bluegills in the shallows, I've been going out every day looking, and it's like dead sea along the shoreline. And normally you can't help but look and see panfish cruising and so forth. About what water temperature, Tom, will bring them in? Do you have any idea? Well... You know, the way it goes, and none of these numbers are, you know, perfect. I mean, you give a little bit of leeway, a couple degrees either way, but generally the walleyes are spawning in about 45 degrees, give or take a few. Uh, you know, the northern pike and perch have already done their done their deed. So then, uh, you know, you got your smallmouth bass that are, I mean, your muskies that are going to be in the roughly the low to mid-50s spawning that's why the guys are seeing a lot of muskies in shallow water right now and not only that but they feed on the walleyes too which helps uh and then you know in the upper 50s low 60s you got your smallmouth bass uh in the upper 60s you know 65 and upper 60s you got your largemouth bass then your bluegills oh by the way the crappies were in there around that uh 50 uh in the upper 50 degree range too so i mean everything follows kind of a you know, kind of going along by the temperature and all that. But like I said, that's not an exact science. Sometimes they spawn a little early, sometimes a little later. But right now at 52 degrees, yeah, you're not going to see much in the shallows except for the muskies and the walleyes. 
of which I didn't, you know, we didn't catch any uh, on Saturday. But then again, they could have had lockjaw on Saturday. You know, we had, I think it was a high-pressure system, and, you know, that's not always good. Um, so I would say once that water temperature is around 60 degrees, you're going to start seeing those bluegills and those pumpkin seeds in closer to shore. As far as the spawning, Tom, you know, I guess it's it's kind of a comp, well, I don't know, complicated, but it's not as easy as saying at this temperature, it's right. like a bell rings and they all spawn. Right, exactly. Like, you know, for, a good example is Nagawicka Lake because it's a long lake north to south. Now, that north end of the lake warms up quicker than the south end of the lake. So you'll have, let's say, largemouth bass spawning in the north end of the lake a week or two before the largemouth bass spawn in the southern part of the lake. You know, so you're right. It does, it's, you know, sometimes there's no rhyme or vision, but, but, you, but you know that it's going to be around that temperature or around that time of year. But when we have uh, cooler weather like this, now, wasn't it last year we had the same thing? Cooler spring, I think? Um, well, or was that one the year, year before? Run- one year runs into the next, Tom. It's hard. <laughs> you know, as far as this, you're talking about different parts of the lake, one part spawning at one time, one at another. Um, I was up in, uh, I mentioned up by Sturgeon Bay back in April, and the ice had just gone out within a week, and I was catching walleyes, some with spawn, and some already spawned out. Well, uh, today, uh, Dale Strosheim is going to give us a call. I was talking to uh, the big O, Dave Olson, today, or yesterday, I guess, and uh, he said that uh, they've been going up to around, I think, Egg Harbor, Fish Creek. Apparently, they're going to be up with Gillespie filming this week. And he temperature, I think he said, was 42 degrees, and they're still catching pre-spawn walleyes which i couldn't believe i would have thought that they'd all be spawned out by now so i guess we'll get more of a report hopefully if uh, dale can get a hold of us at seven but it it really it it really did surprise me yeah dale strohshine will be calling us uh we'll be talking to him just a few minutes after seven o'clock and you know dale's been around a long time and he knows that bay of green bay he he's been guiding up there for many many years and you know, he was in the walleye tournaments for many years. Matter of fact, I think uh, I had him on TV. I was the first person to have Dale on TV. I did a TV show with him on Outdoor Wisconsin. And he was just a young guy then. I think he was a, by golly, he might have been a teenager. So anyway, but that was at a time, Danny, when the Bay of Green Bay had awesome perch fishing. And we were catching just beautifully big perch, you know, 10, 11, 12 inches. And uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, um, hopefully we also get more of a uh, south, southern Wisconsin report. Uh, around 6.30, we're going to try and get a hold of uh, Paul Mahalik. Uh, Paul, of course, is a multi-species angler. Uh, he loves to ice open water fish. And the nice thing about Paul is uh, you can pretty much get a report, like I said, on multi-species, where some guys are just bass guys, some guys are musky schmoes. Um, you know, Paul Paul pretty much does it all. And when we come back from break, I'm also going to give you a little bit of a Pewaukee report as well. Got some in- interesting observations out here. Yeah, are you going to give the secret? 
Yes, I am, Tom. All right. So, folks, you better stay tuned right after this break. Danny Bush is going to give the secret on how to catch, find and catch walleyes on Pewaukee Lake right here on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors, brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Buds, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, we are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. And uh, if you guys ask about the bait, mate, and say, hey, does that stuff really work? And yes, it does. I do use the bait, mate. Uh, we've talked about it in the past, especially that uh, spray, the, the game fish one. Spray that on your mini plastic, refresh it. And they've got all kinds of flavors from walleye to bass. They got the flip and dip. And uh, the bite stick is what I was trying to think of the name last week when the guy was asking what I like to use on my hard crankbaits, which is kind of like a, uh, like I said, it's like if you had a thing of chapstick and you just kind of, your lips, you kind of smear a little on the side of your crankbait. Doesn't affect the action, but it's like a paste and it stays on there. Smells like anise, which Tom, it seems like everybody uses that anise scent from bear hunters to... I don't know. Going back, Tom, have you had seen anise and fish fish before? Uh, as a matter of fact, Danny, back in the late 70s, a friend of mine and myself, we would make our own fish attractant, and we'd have to get the anise extract and uh, then uh, uh, an alcohol. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, oil, a certain type of oil. And then there was an emulsifier we had to get, and we would make our own fish attractants. But the the number one uh, flavor was anise. As a matter of fact, Man's Bait Company, when they came out with their jelly worms, they were all the anise scent. That was the number one flavor back then. Now that we've got a lot more flavors, but that's a main one. Is there a reason that smells like black licorice to me? Uh, yeah, it's something from the anise root. And, uh, and also, uh, uh, wait a minute, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, uh, there's a vegetable that tastes like it, too. Uh, I just can't think of it right now. So are you saying there's like some anise and black licorice? Anise and black licorice what? Uh, well, in black licorice, is there like some kind of anise oh. oil or something? Uh, well, they got to get the taste somewhere. I guess, so maybe there is, yeah. Well, what is anise? Is that like some, that's like a flavoring or something? Yeah, exactly. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe well, somebody can cook, call I us. And, hey, maybe somebody can call us at 799-1250 and tell us more about it. Because I know they didn't invent anise just for bear hunters. No, I know. And fishermen know. to put in their jelly worms. So you gotta, you're telling me that you and your buddies sat with a big cauldron and started mixing stuff together? Detractant. Well, it wasn't a, a really big cauldron. It was a smaller pot. But yeah, and then we'd put it in plastic bottles. And But hey, you know, you're going to be talking about walleyes, Danny. I'm going to tell you something real quick that get people okay. fired up about walleyes. And that's gotcha. why people are going to do what you're going to do. Um, a week or two ago, you know who uh, uh, Jason Mitchell is? He's that guy from North Dakota. He's got a TV show. Fishes yeah, a lot. I think He's it's got, Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Yeah, Jason Mitchell, right. Well, anyway, uh, okay, the, the, the North Dakota state record walleye 
was 32 and a half inches, okay? Jason Mitchell caught a 34-incher, which he believes was over the 15-pound, 13-ounce uh, current state record. But he says his words, I quote, Since I didn't know the true weight, I decided to release the fish as I didn't want to kill it unless I knew for sure. I'll tell you what, that takes a lot to, to release a fish that you think is the new state record, but didn't have a scale, didn't know for sure. So tell us what somebody might be able to catch on Pewaukee. Well, a 15 pounder? I, well, no, there's no. <laughs> oh, we got a caller? Yep. Oh, I'll tell you. They know about the anise, maybe. Who yep. is this? John on the you. north side. You're on the cutting edge outdoors. Hey, Hello, John. Good John. morning. Good morning. Hey, Good morning. The, 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 the spice is called star anise. It looks like a star. It's used in, well, they use it in Christmas cookies. It's used in black licorice and so on. Right. When I was a kid, my first encounter was, and I don't remember the brand name, I had black uh, rubber worms, and they all smelled like star anise, and they caught right. bass like crazy. I've heard this it called star anise. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Star anise, sir. Yeah. It, anise, that, yeah. anise, it's the same thing. Now, yeah. what's that vegetable that tastes like black licorice? It, it looks like celery. That's the other thing. Yes. I don't know. I know. It looks like a, a thicker celery, and I can't remember yeah. the darn yeah, name I of it. I can't remember the name of it either. It, yeah. But that also has an anise flavor to it. You are, so the yeah. star anise. Where, and, and is that a pod from some kind of fruit or something? Yeah, I think it's some kind of a pod from, and I don't know if it grows like in the, the you know, South China Sea area, you know, that, that mm -hmm. area or whatever. But that's one of the major spices. You'll All right. Google it and find out where it Right. Comes. Well, thanks for the info. Appreciate it. Yeah, great All show, right. guys. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Danny. A lot of people are waiting for you to tell for you to tell them how to catch walleyes on Pewaukee Lake. Well, and no, where. I'm not. I'm not necessarily telling them like I'm out there with some. You know, uh, I'm out there catching walleyes. I'm just going to tell them a little bit about some observations that I've seen out here on Pewaukee Lake. Previous years out here it's pretty much just a casting gig in the spring where you see everybody out just casting muskies in the shallows uh, i have observed something this year unlike any other year where it's crazy at any given moment especially in the evening when i look at the lake and i'm talking just right by the beach here um right by the old smokies there are boats trolling now uh, it's not just one boat trolling, it's several boats trolling. You see, you know, boats kind of circling around there. Now, when I first saw it, I thought that, uh, well, they're... So, because I, I have seen some, you know, with the binoculars, I put them on there and I see big long rods and then I see a bigger lure come out of the water. Uh, but the other day, I was sitting on the deck out here and I was talking to my brother up in Oshkosh about turkey hunting tonight. And I said, hey... Some boat just came by. It looks like they got a kid in there and boards out. And then when I looked, I, I couldn't see any. When they went to put their bait in the water, it was so small I couldn't see it. And I said, hey, these guys are walleye trolling. Well, no sooner did the guy get one board out when he's going to set the other. And I said to my brother, I said, hey, man, I, I swear to God, it's a quarter mile away. 
there's a, a, a walleye on that board. Well, finally, the guy noticed and set the one rod down, handed it to his, his boat partner, looked like his wife or kid was in the boat, wind in a fish, and I didn't have binoculars with me at that time, but when they held it up, I swear to gosh, it looked like it was about a 22 to 24 inch walleye. Well, I saw the same boat making that same path through here, and now I'm seeing more boats. So what I, I haven't talked to the technicians at uh, Musky Island or uh, you know, Monkey Island over there at the uh, Smokey's uh, Bait Shop Bar and Casino, but um, I'm, I'm guessing that there's gotta be a number of guys out here, not only trolling for muskies, but taking advantage of some of those walleyes they stocked. Who do you got on the line? Uh, Keith from Waukesha. You're on the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hi, Keith. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, Good. What's up, up with you? I haven't talked to you for a while. Anyway, the vegetables of fennel. Ah, fennel. That's it. The fennel. Thank the, you. God, you know, it was at the tip of my tongue. The old fennel. Uh, yeah, I just had too. some in a salad last night. <laughs> Is uh, your email down? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, we don't have computer yeah, capabilities yeah. I, I right now. I just sent you a picture. I, see, I kind of fully recovered from my back surgery in late December, so I got out to do a little turkey on me yesterday and managed to get yeah. a 23-pounder. So well, good for you. Congratulations. I sent you a picture. But the, yeah, say it ain't working, so you ain't going to get the picture, right? <laughs> well, I'll get it at home when I oh, get home. I send it to I'll, the CEO guys. And then I'll send it to Danny. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's Good, uh, Keith. Now, did you, uh, you called it in yourself? Well, yeah. You know, this time of year, it, it, they're, they're kind of spread out. So you got to basically sit and wait. They're real decoy shy. For some reason, I had decoys out, and two of them just wouldn't pay any attention to the decoy at all but i had a bunch of hens around so who needed decoys when you had the hens walking around you know well let but, me uh, let me ask you do you think they become decoy sh shy because they've gotten a lot of pressure uh it, it seems that way they just uh they'll look and then they just walk away you know early in the year you can put a decoy out and they'll come running mid mid-year once mid-year comes around they're flocked up with their hens they don't pay that much attention to decoys i don't think you know because huh. uh, my brother, he's, I'm going to be up hunting in Oshkosh tonight, and he seems to do better up there this time of year for some reason. Uh, yeah. He's had at had times had a couple gobblers come running in. Hit, the theory being is that uh, already, you know, bred and so forth, and you still got some, uh, a few uh, horny toms running around, and the hens are low, hey, so they'll hey, come running into whatever. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, they... they I, I follow that, that that theory pretty good, but for some reason they're real spooky with the decoys where I hunt, and usually that that's true if you can get one to come. But boy, it was uh, a lot of real soft calling, and I did this in the evening yesterday because it was pouring in the morning. You know, it was nasty day. But uh, once he cleaned up, I figured he'd start moving. And right around 7:30, I just give her a couple little soft clucks, and uh, well, I started earlier than that, but uh, pretty soon I heard one walking behind the blind and. Uh, he come right in, and uh, that was it, you know. But uh, like I say, it's a little different hunting. I, I had a mid-season hunt up on a farm. We got 400-and-some acres up there, and, boy, they were hand up, and they just would not come for nothing. You know, they, they had their, their harem, and they were gone first thing in the morning. 
Hmm. I mean, I've been doing this for years. Well, I got maybe 40 turkeys, so I kind of know what I'm doing with them a little bit, you know. Well, you're 39 turkeys ahead of me, so I hope after tonight you're 38 turkeys ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, have a good hunt, okay. and like I say, the thing is stay concealed and, and don't yeah. overcall. That's that's my All secret, right. so. All right, well, thanks for calling, Steve. Yeah, have a good one, guys. Uh, Keith, we appreciate it. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we got the gut report coming up next, and we'll, then we'll be talking to Mr. Mahalik. And then at after the 6.45 break, we'll be doing the Hornschwaggle. So stay tuned for all of that and more on the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, you know, folks, I, sh- I, I haven't learned yet that I should write things down. The Gut Report I was going to do... I didn't write down. I figured, oh, I'll remember it. Well, guess what? I don't. But I do have another one for you. This is really, really, really good. I really like this stuff. You take a 28-ounce can of Bush's Baked Beans, original flavor. Then you take a 15-ounce can of some type of chili. I happen to use Hormel chili. You take a half a cup each of diced onions and green peppers. And then a quarter cup each of uh, brown sugar ketchup, and barbecue sauce. Mix that all together. Let it simmer on the stove for about an hour. And I'm telling you, that is really good. The, uh, the, oh boy, this is tough, folks. I'm telling you, this is tough. Anyway, uh, the Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price, selection, and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and uh, Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. Live. We're in Lake Country, and right now on the line, we have Mr. Paul Mahalik to give us uh, kind of an update on some local fishing. Good morning, Paul. Hey, Paul. Good morning, guys. How's it how going? You doing? Good, good. Good. Doing good. So how you well, been feeling lately? Last We talked to you, I don't know what, uh, the middle of this winter, a couple months ago, you said physically you were kind of regroup, re, re, regrouping. Uh, you feeling okay? Yeah, I had a shoulder surgery, so... Uh, I didn't get a whole lot of ice fishing in this year, you know, but uh, I've been in the boat for the last seven weeks, and uh, shoulder's getting better, and the the fishing is getting better all along, too. So are you fishing uh, Madison area lakes or the uh, Waukesha? uh, Yeah, I did some Waukesha County, uh, Delavan, uh, mainly probably uh, 75% of the time out in Madison right now. you know, just fishing some of the warmer places where, uh, you know, the fish are starting to congregate now. So I'm thinking when you're talking Madison area lakes, you got Mendota, which is the deep lake. I'm thinking that would probably be one you want to hit a little later. Uh, would you think some of the shallower warming lakes, maybe like Wabisa or Monona or the yeah, Mud Lake, exa- some of those? Yeah, exactly. I, I fish Mud Lake, Wabisa, then I moved to Monona. Then I moved to Mendota. It's sort of, you know, when uh, you can, uh, when the crappie bite sort of ends on Wapisa, then you can go to Monona, and then a little bit later you can uh, go on to Mendota. And uh, uh, Paul, I got a question. I got a sure. question. Are there any fish in Cherokee Lake? Oh, Cherokee Marsh. 
Uh, yeah, the marsh. Yeah, we, yeah. I, we ice fish that quite a bit. That's yeah. Uh, that, that there's some real nice fish in there. Oh, that's your secret spot. Because huh? because those <laughs> are the ones you know they come they come out of Mendota there and uh, right. you know there's some some really really nice crappies and bluegills in there and they get some pike and walleye in there too. Oh sure, but that's kind of shallow water there, right? Yeah, there's a, a, a couple little deeper spots, but yeah, it's not it's not super deep. And that's no. usually one of the first spots I ice fish because it freezes fairly quick. Right. Which lake is Cherokee Lake? Uh, I haven't have not heard of that. Well, they call yeah, it they, Cherokee yeah, Marsh. Yeah, they call, call it Cherokee Marsh. It's just just north of um, Mendota a little bit. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Um, I know that Mud Lake. Uh, a friend of mine years ago, Paul. He he was laid off for the winter. He spent virtually the entire winter out there pan fishing and gills. Yes. Yes, and the only thing is, you know, at 65 years old now, uh, you got to make this walk, uh, and it's not real bad anymore. They sort of, uh, it's sort of flat, but we used to have to walk through the cattails, and you know, you drag your stuff. You were just about dead by the time you got out on the, out on the ice. But uh, yeah, there's uh, they fish like the dredge hole. It's called the dredge hole. It's a little deeper, and those gills stack up there in the in the winter time, and. Uh, there, there's some nice skills in there too. And crops, so let me of let me ask you, Paul. Now you start fishing um, early on. You said been out, been out. Do you start out targeting the crappies or the bluegill first, or C, both of the above? Basically all of above, but usually it's bluegills first. You know, when the ice first comes off, uh, you know, you you go where you uh, you finished off ice fishing a lot of times and. Uh, and you catch some bluegills, but and it's always, you know, the water's really cold, so it's never uh, casting for them with, you know, like a jig and gulp or a jig and crawler. You got to use something. You got to use a bobber, and it's got to be, you know, you don't want a lot of movement on the bobber right away in the early in the year because that water's just so cold. So now, yeah. will it change now as the water oh, starts yeah, warming? Changing. Yeah, the water, the water's. Yesterday the water was up to 63, 64. So, only in the last couple of days we've been getting fish uh, casting the gulp and uh, and crawler with the jig. And you know, then then you get a lot of really get a lot of multi. You know, you get walleye, you get bass, you get pike, you get panfish. So it's it's really a good way to target everything this time of year uh, when the, those fish are still just a little bit on the sluggish side. Do you ever chase walleyes on those lakes? Yeah, last year we did. Uh, we well, last year for the opener, we we went out there targeting, you know, the pan, you know, basically crappies and bluegills, and uh, I remember we got one one perch, but we ended up with fifteen legal walleyes. Well, that's so that was, wow, that's that pretty cool. Yeah, and and, and, and on, on Wabisum and Monona, it's a fifteen in size limit at five, so. Uh, you know, it's it's not like some of the lakes where, you know, 18-inch fish sometimes is a little hard to come by. You know, one of the uh, species of fish that you don't hear mentioned, I, at least I don't hear mentioned a lot when you talk about those Madison area lakes are bass. Now, I went out with uh, with a buddy of mine. Uh-oh. I Yo. lost Danny. Yeah. Uh oh, we lost it. Paul. Can you hear me? Yes, 
I can hear you. Okay, okay, we lost Danny. Danny was in the middle of a question. Uh, Sam has got to reconnect him. So okay. I don't know what he was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just waiting for him to get back on. And uh, So anything else you wanted to tell us about uh, this season? Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, it, with with this uh, you know, weather we've had, you know, the last how many weeks, you know, it's up and down like a roller oh, coaster. You know, once terrible. you get this warmer, stable weather, the fishing is just, you know, uh, the next uh, this next week should really that the fish should really uh, turn on a little bit. Yeah, and, I uh, my fa- my my favorite time to go is after the spawn. You know, once the fish are in their summer pattern, I get a I got a better handle on where they are and what they're doing. You know, and I and you know because during the spawn season, some day one day they're in, the next day they're out. You know, they're back and forth. Exactly, so. exactly. and especially crappies. You know, yeah, you get a little yep. warm weather, they come in, and the cold front, uh, they're they're gone to the secondary breaks again, and then you got to <laughs> wait for them to got to wait for them to come back okay. in. Yeah, it's a back and forth type of deal. Right. Well, Paul, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing us sharing with us the information that you have. Uh, we always enjoy talking to you. Well, it's good talking to you guys too. All right. Well, you uh, you stay safe, stay uh, virus free, and we'll talk to you again. All right. All right. Take it easy. All right. Thanks. And with that, Danny, can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Good. Well, we got to go to. Uh, break right now and after this break we're going to be playing the Hornschwaggle. The Hornschwaggle is brought to you by Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls on Pilgrim Road in Silver Spring. They got everything meat and more. I'll tell you it's a good place to go. Carl's Country Market. You'll get a $10 gift certificate if you win the Hornschwaggle. Also it's brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. So if you win, you'll get a real nice prize package from Baitmate and Coleman. So you got to stick around for this. Call right now at 799-1250. That's 799-1250 to be a contestant in the one and only Hornschwaggle. I'm Tom Neubauer. He's Dan Bush. Sam Schmitz is on the boards, and we'll be right back with more. out of Lake Country like a 3006-165 grain nozzler AccuBond at 2,800 feet per second. It's Skipper Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. And right now, Sam, I am, do we have a contestant for the Hornswoggle? Yes, we do. Kevin in Greenfield, you're on the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hello, Kevin in Greenfield. Hey. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Okay. I'm going to turn my mic up here so I can hear you. Kevin, all right, so you know how this works. If I'm pulling your leg, it's a hornswoggle. If I'm uh, telling the truth, it's no hornswoggle. And here we go. Today uh, is elk. Reason being is I was going to announce that elk, elk application deadline closes May 31st. So it's like 10 bucks if you want to apply for the lottery to hopefully shoot a Wisconsin elk. They got some big ones last year. So if you want to give that a shot, Put your 10 bucks in there. What Today's topic is elk. So first of all, the world record archery elk was shot by Mr. Norm Sneed with a 45-pound Ben Pearson bow in 1945 in Alien, Montana. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? 
Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. Wasn't Norm Sneed a golfer or something? There, Tom. That was Sam's Sam Sneed. Sam Sneed. Okay, Sam Sam was his name. Okay, Sam. gotcha. I want to say Norm Sneed. Okay. All right. Um, elk. Despite the fact that they have planted some elk and they're doing pretty good in are not actually native to Wisconsin. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. That is a hornswoggle. Yeah. Okay. So you're two, you're two for two. Let's see if you would have got the third one. Um, elk. With their uh, intimidating size and long antlers, elk are just too tough for wolves to take down. No hornswoggle. No, that's a hornswoggle. Oh, you meant hornswoggle. Right, I meant hornswoggle. All right, that's okay. We know the whole hornswoggle, no hornswoggle thing gets a little confusing sometimes. Put you on hold. And uh, you are a winner twice over because we got two great sponsors. We got our good friends at Bait Mate Fish Attractant. They'll be sending you out a package. And I will be sending you a gift certificate. Uh, $10 gift certificate for Carl's Country Market, where you can get the greatest meats in the world. Hey, thanks. Glad you're back. All right. Thanks Thank for listening. You. So, you, so now I'm confused. Hornswoggle, nor hornswoggle. So that means wolves can take down elk? Yes, wolves can. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, they can. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said that elk are too tough for wolves, which was... A- a hornswoggle. And he said, no hornswoggle, but it's easy to get the whole hornswoggle, no hornswoggle thing kind of confused sometimes. Oh, that's all right. That's and why I, you're here to explain it to us. That's right, right. Um, <laughs> I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. But um, also, I did contact our good friends at Baitmate, and they have been sending out the prize package. It's uh, going uh, right on schedule. I should also mention uh, the Coleman Insect Repellents. Uh, it's, I've, I'm looking at a great bottle of some, some stuff I got last year. It's the non-DEET. It's a DEETless insect repellent, which I'm eagerly looking forward to using in the next couple of weeks. I haven't heard, Tom, about any ticks, mosquitoes, or anything. Do you think it's been too cold yet in the state? Yep, to... yep definitely okay. too cold. Uh, I got a couple of things to bring up before we go to our 7 o'clock break and talk to Dale Stroshine. Um... What color is a perch? Uh, a fire tiger. Perch. Uh, no, yellow perch are generally called yellow perch. But a bizarre perch was caught on the Cisco chain in northern Wisconsin. A fella caught a blue perch. And it is not, I mean, it's very unusual, but it happens every now and then. Have you ever seen a blue perch, Danny? Um, um, nope. I never have either, you know, but it's some. wouldn't that be weird to see a yellow perch that's blue? I mean, <laughs> it's like, who's been throwing a Kool-Aid in that water? But anyway, that, that was one, uh, a blue perch. Uh, the other one, now this is really interesting. In Springfield, Missouri, a turkey hunter was out turking, you know, and, uh, turkey hunting, and you know, they're, you know, you're wearing your camouflage, you're making a turkey call probably look like a turkey, sound like a turkey. Well, guess what? (laughs) A bobcat attacked this guy's head. 
the bobcat thought he was a turkey, snuck up behind him, and attacked him in the back of the head. The bobcat did. So, of course, the guy turned around, tried to knock it off, and shot it. Because the bobcat, by golly, he was going to have that guy. He thought that was the biggest turkey he'd ever seen. And <laughs> can you imagine that, Danny, getting attacked by a bobcat? Uh, so you would think that the bobcat would abort once it hit the back of the guy's noggin, realizing that this isn't a turkey. So, well, but I evidently, how... I'm sure the guy was completely camouflaged, but you know, if it sounds like a turkey, it's got to be a turkey, at least if you're from a bobcat standpoint. So yeah, if I... he heard the guy making the sounds and calling, he's thinking, I know it's a turkey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how what the intelligence level of bobcats are, but yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a turkey. It must be a turkey, you know, and then just j- jumped right on his head. Can you? Oh, my goodness. And, you know, bobcats, they're well, not real you know, small. They're, they're a decent size, you know. Well, bobcats are pretty smart. They normally sc- score higher than most defensive linemen on the Wonderlick, so I'm really surprised <laughs> that that turkey, that that turkey didn't... Uh, didn't every figure it out quicker. You, every, every now and um, then you come up with a good one. I got unless, <laughs> unless, uh, unless the turkey, I, I mean the turkey, um, the bobcat was myopic or, yeah, and had bad eyesight. Yeah, you know, it, it would be really tough. You think about it. Like in, in, in the human world, we get to get glasses. Like if you're, if you're in the wild, if you're an animal, you're out of luck, man. You're 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 out of luck. So basically, you're either going to get shot real quick if you're a yeah. deer, or yeah. you're not going to catch a whole lot of turkeys if you're a bobcat, or you'll be jumping on hunters that you think are turkeys. So yeah, yeah, I'm I think sure that. This, I'm sure this scared the crap out of that guy. You know, because did it talk you know, about? All, did huh? it talk about any injuries? Uh, no, it didn't. But I'm sure he might have had a few scratches, you know, because they got some pretty sharp claws. I, uh, yeah. It was I guess... it was actually a, a pretty short article, just saying that he had killed it, and the DNR said, well, he was right. You know, if you get attacked by an animal, you have the right to, to shoot it. So, yeah. I'm surprised that it didn't take off, though, by the time he turned around. I mean, yeah. the bobcats yeah. are are furtive and quick, man. That that you would think that thing would vanish, like a ghost. The other well, thing it, I'm thinking is there probably wasn't much left of it after he blasted it at point blank range with a turkey load. Yeah, it says that in the article it said he had to fight it off. So that that bobcat was pretty intent. Like I said, thought that was the biggest darn turkey he ever seen. So well, that was, he, he was gonna get that turkey. <laughs> That was that was one pretty dead bobcat there, Tom. Yeah. And, and and I like you invert invented a new word, turking. So, Did I say turking? You said they, he was out turking. <laughs> well, I was just now, shortening it up. Isn't there all. a sim? Oh, there's a similar word to. Oh, you're thinking of tweaking? Tur- tw- is that tweak? Twer- twerking? Tweaking? Something like that? I don't know. You know what? Well, let's not even go time. there. Yeah, it's I'm a going good time turkey for tonight, to, though. All right. It's a good time for us to take our 7 o'clock break. So we got a couple of commercials, and we're going to be back at 7, and we're going to be talking to Dale Strohshine. Hopefully he gets through. So, folks, 
Stay tuned. We are on two stations, 1250 AM and 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors with Dan Bush and me, Tom Neubauer. We'll be right back. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Entercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train. All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Coming to you live somewhere in Waukesha County, hidden by uh, trees and a lake and people fishing. But anyway, he's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards, and we do appreciate you listening to us today. Uh, We are the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors, and you can get in touch with us at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. We got one more hour to go. So, uh, so Sam, did uh, Dale call yet? Oh, yeah, we got him. Oh, great. On the line we have us, uh, the famous fisherman. He's been doing it his whole life, knows what he's doing. Very smart guy, very excellent angler. We got Dale Strohshine. Good morning, Dale. Good morning. This is Tom Newbar. Yes, sir, it is. <laughs> and I'm here. This is Dan Bush along with him there, Dale. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, hey, my pleasure, gentlemen. You know, I was telling the guys earlier how you and I, I did a show with you on Outdoor Wisconsin back when, were you a teenager then? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was thinking about that myself when uh, Dave Olson got a hold of me. I go, Tom Newbar, man, I said, I, I I know that guy and I remember doing something with him, you know, back in the day. And yeah, I was pretty young back then. If if, if not, I was in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah, but you were, you were still real tall then too. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. And we caught those. Oh, that was at a time when they had big perch on the Bay of Green Bay. What's happened to them? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, as well as I do, guys, that, you know, everything goes through cycles. And uh, the perch just, you know, kind of came They came and went. I mean, it was a very sought-after commodity, you know, by all local anglers and people from outside the community. And uh, it, it got hit hard and just kind of went away. And, you know, now they're coming back. And uh, we're seeing, you know, good numbers of yellow perch now as we speak. All right. And so, Dale, I got a Dale, couple of questions here come to mind. Um, first of all, with this uh, virus and everything change uh, in the state, are the guides, are you guys going to be up and running again up on the bay? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, right now, um, I'm not personally running. I've, I've, you know, we weren't able to guide at all uh, during this time, which, which was really uh, unusual. It's the first time for the opener of Wisconsin that I have been fishing in probably 40 years. So I just uh, went ahead and put a lot of projects that needed to get done at both our resorts and my home on on uh, the docket to get done, and so that's what I kind of been doing. 
Uh, we are going to be opening May 20th. I guess the guides can be up and running right now, but we're still trying to finish up some projects. So we're we're going to be back up and running May 20th, and the resort's going to be opening on May 26th. So both of my businesses have been at a complete standstill. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It's Sand Bay Resort up there right on the water, correct? Yeah, it's Sand Bay Beach Resort. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, that's right. I, I'd kind of forgotten about that. You're both a guide and a business owner there. So you've had to been, you know, shut down both for, for quite a while. So I'm sure opening up is kind of a welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they opened up because uh, I was starting to get used to just <laughs> not doing too much. So let me let me ask you: Have you just been out fishing on your own then up there in the meantime, or friends, or what's the deal? Well, the yeah, you know, the great thing about it, Dan, was I got to fish with my wife a lot, and so oh. I, I something I don't get to do too often. So I I spent a, a number of days with her in the boat this spring. We caught some great walleyes and some nice smallmouth, and uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun that way. So. But other than that, no, I I wasn't even really fishing with friends. It was just, uh, you know, with my wife. And then I got to fish with Dave here just more recently, Dave Olson, who set this thing up. And uh, But that's really been it. Dale, I got a question. Now, like years ago, you were an excellent tournament walleye angler. And I remember you uh, telling me the story of one time on Lake Erie when your boat was like vertical because of the waves were so high. Uh, what what whatever stopped you from fishing the walleye tournaments? Yeah, you know, I'll, I don't know if I actually have a good you know answer for that, but I think what I would have to say is. I had to make a decision, you know, I was, I was competing and then I was also being a guide. And when I started doing this day, or excuse me, Tom, um, there was nobody else really guiding. And then as I went along with my career in the competitive end, you know, more and more people started guiding. And when I was guiding, you know, everybody used to just have to wait for my schedule to open up until I got home from a tournament because you know, I was fishing Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, New York, Montana, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, North, South right. Dakota, Iowa. Yeah. You know, I was in all those different states. And I guess my point is that I had to make a decision because I started losing my customer base on my guide end. And I knew that I wasn't going to be competitively fishing indefinitely. And so I opted to uh, get out of the competitive end and then, it's kind of right when my dad came to me, too, and I think that was a big part of it, too, Tom. You know, my folks opened that business in 1961, and then my dad came to me in 1998 and said, hey, listen, your mother and I want to retire, and they wanted me to take over the business. So that kind of was a turning point as well. Okay. Hey, let me let me ask you, Dave, up there, and I'm kind of jealous I mean, I grew up in Green Bay right down the road there, but that's still not Door County. So you had some fabulous fishing even even back then. Tom kind of mentioned the perch. But how would you, over the years, back then it was fantastic fishing, now it's fantastic fishing. What what are some things that, you, that you've seen? I, you cut out right there for a second, Dan. What was, what, what was the last part of the question? 
My question is, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen up there in the fishing in Door County? Well, I would say number one is, you know, the introduction of the goby. Um, you know, that's, that's changed things a little bit uh, as far as what we do and how we do it. Uh, you know, there, we used to be able to run crawler harnesses, walleye fishing, and just kind of let them out. And uh, now you got to, you know, and they used to just hit the bottom. And then, they, you know, the, as you kept moving, then they, they would eventually come up off the bottom. Well, now, if that crawler harness hits the bottom, they machine gun that night crawler right down to nothing, so there's nothing left. So you got to constantly be monitoring it as you let it out. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of what the fish are eating are actually the gobies, so we're trying to, you know, everything that we're doing now, a lot of it is we're trying to mimic uh, a goby on the bottom, whether it's smallmouth or walleye or whatever. So that's 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 been a big change, I would say. Um, the other thing has been the introduction of the goby, or excuse me, the uh, zebra mussel. The zebra mussels uh, have really changed things as far as water clarity. So everything really now is really long cast. If we're if we're fishing um, on calmer days. A lot of your bites are coming way out away from the boat. And, uh, you know, trolling, again, we can't troll on calm days for walleyes at all, you know, because our water's so clear here now. It's got to be a rougher day. But I would say those are probably two of the biggest changes I would see, other than, you know, Facebook now uh, and social media that we readily have available to all of us. You know, you can go out on a shoal one day and catch, you know, 35 walleyes, and I've been on that shoal for the last week, and one boat comes in by you, and the next day you go out there, there's 75 boats, and you know that one boat that just came in and said something where they're at. So, uh, well, that <laughs> for you, I mean, you years ago, before GPS and all this stuff, you knew where all those spots were in those reefs and those rocks. Nowadays, with the advent of GPS, it, it, I get, I'm guessing it makes it easier for Joe Schmo, the average guy, to go out and find some of those spots. Well, and we've we've become so visible, you know, with social media because you know, with with me, I'm, I'm I've been very I'm still very heavily sponsored. I work very closely with a lot of my companies, and of course, you know, they drive us. That's one thing that they really want us to be doing is being active on Facebook and social media, Instagram, whatever it might be. I do a lot of lives uh, where I go on for an hour or two and just talk about fishing with, uh, you know, the locals and other people around the country. And um, so when we get out there, people know who we are. So now all of a sudden they, they know what boat I've got. You know, they, they come by and, of course, they hit a GPS mark. And they may not fish it right there, but now they've got a spot that, you you know, that you've kind of had to yourself. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I used to be able to run all that, and I think that's helped me actually as an angler, is growing up in that time frame, and knowing working off of rifle sights and just having a lot of that grassroots old school technology, if you will. Well, I know how I'm going to find Dale's secret spots. I'm going to get a drone, and I'm going to send it up in the air, and I'm going to follow his boat with the drone. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know hey don't laugh i bet you there might be some guys who do that you know what that 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 could be coming i i recall a story told me dale where apparently he a buddy of his was fishing with you and you were motoring i think you were heading out to washington island out there and in the middle of nowhere you stopped and you pointed out a spot where you know the the rocks came up to within a couple feet of surface and you said that's why you get a guide when you come on out here so it, it really does pay to fish with someone that's experienced. I can see that. Well, it, it, you know, when you when you come to the bay, it's a, it, it's a little overwhelming. There's a lot of water, and I hear that that's a common uh, statement that I hear all the time. They're like, "Man, look at all the water! You know, where would you even start?" So, yeah, I mean, it certainly can help to have somebody, especially if you're coming to an area because you out there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good guides out there currently today. And, uh, you know, you can go out there and get one of these guys and get them out there and uh, have them show you around a little bit. And that's something that at least can give you a foundation of where to start so you've got something to, uh, to work with. Now, you guide multi-species, but if you had your preference, what's, what's your favorite? Walleyes, bass, um, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I chase the walleyes you know, my whole life as a, as a career. And uh, you know, I grew up, it's funny because I grew up fishing smallmouth. So I guess my point is, you know, seeing that I chased walleyes all my life, really, and I cut my teeth fishing smallmouth, I look at the smallmouth kind of like a new girlfriend. So uh, I really love the smallmouth. I think catching bigger smallmouth is uh, more of a challenge. I mean, I've caught 10, 11, 12, 13, uh, almost a 16-pound walleye in my life. And, you know, I've never caught a 7-pound smallmouth here in almost 34 years. So uh, in order to catch a giant smallmouth was really, uh, I think, quite a, a hurdle. And to catch big smallmouths are such an incredible fight. They're such a... It's kind of like catching a unicorn, these big smallmouths. So to me, the smallmouth really is exciting, and that's probably where I really, what I really like to do best. Hey, Dale, quick question. Uh, do you think the smallmouth size has increased over the years because of the gobies? Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's no, no doubt in my mind. I mean, we had smallmouth here all the years that I guided for them. You know, I mean, you could ever get them over four pounds. If you got a five, if you got a five pounder, it was like once, once in a great moon, blue moon. And, yeah, I uh, remember. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I was just gonna say. I remember when I used to go up there a lot years ago. I mean, a four pounder was big. I mean, normally it was mostly a lot of two pounders, maybe some three pounders, uh, and a four pounder was a big one. Nowadays, uh, there's that tournament in May. Where man, if you don't have a five pound average, you ain't gonna get close to winning it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not even gonna be in the top thirty. <laughs> it's unreal. Unreal. Yeah. yeah, so you know, now we're seeing, you know, five fives uh, a, a lot more consistently. I remember I took out uh, Robert Montgomery, uh, the senior editor of Bassmaster magazine a number of years ago, up on Lake Michigan side, and he wrote a book called Why We Fish. And the first chapter of the book talks about his best day ever, and his best day ever in 26 years as a writer and with Bassmasters Magazine was with me up on Lake Michigan. 
and uh, we had boated that one that day. We had boated and scale put on a scale. We had twenty fish over five pounds. Wow, that's incredible. Wow. Hey, Dale, I think we have to go to a break here. Is it possible? Do you, uh, I'd kind of like to ask you about what's going on up there on the bay right now, some of the things you're going to possibly hold on over the break. Yeah, no problem, guys. Okay, that, that sounds good. So uh, with that, guys, I think we'll go to break. You've been listening to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Skipper Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractants. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer, special guest Dale Strosheim. Uh, kind enough to hold over during our commercial breaks. Are you still there, Dale? Yes, sir. I'm still here, Dan. All right. So, a crazy, uh, crazy spring this year with the COVID thing, and the weather's been a little bit goofy. I was talking to uh, Big O, Dave Olson. He told me something about low water temperatures up there, and seems to me he mentioned something about pre-spawn walleyes. Do you kind of want to elaborate on what the heck's happening there? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, 42 degrees is typically about where the walleyes like to spawn. So, yeah, I mean, when you when you're when you're looking at that's the cool thing about fishing the Bay of Green Bay. I mean, you 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 start down in the lower bay, which is real shallow very murky colored which uh opens it up to really a great day bite and of course the, you know being that it's so shallow down in the lower part of the bay those fish spawn earlier because the water being shallower takes less time to warm up as you move north it gets much deeper it gets it it it, it and it stays colder longer so there again what's going to end up happening is you're going to get a later spawn up there than you will to the south so you kind of get two stages of uh, pre-spawn fish up here, which is kind of unique. And that's what Dave was talking about. Um, I, the day that I got him out fishing, we went up there and uh, the water was just over 42 degrees. So there's a really good opportunity, like I said, that you're still going to hit some pre-spawn walleyes, uh, you know, way up to the north part of, uh, you know, the door. So... Is is that kind of like the similar to the smallie thing where the the uh, the smallmouth opener on the island opens like July fourth or whatever, and you can still get perhaps uh, uh you know early uh, or uh, smallies then? Well, I think yeah, you know what's what's unique about that though is even though it's uh, you know you're way up to the north up there at Washington Island. All those fish are still up in those bays, so it's still real shallow in there. I really believe why they did that was just to preserve that fishery a little bit up there and kind of make that like Shawamigan Bay, uh, where you just have trophy fish was their whole intent, uh, to leave those fish alone during the spawn and uh, just let them have good reproduction, I believe, was kind of their intent with that, uh, Dan. I got another question for you about our friend John Gillespie. He gets a little excited in the boat when, when he's with you, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, that's something that John has done ever since I've known him. Um, you know, kudos to him and, you know, guys like yourself, Tom and Dan, you know, for being vehicles of uh, and stewards of the outdoors, you know, and spreading the good word because, 
you know, people like yourself uh, and John that, that put Wisconsin on the map and, and help anglers, you know, it's a trait that we're losing today, I believe, in society, and that's just, you know, helping others and just being good humanitarians. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in paying it forward, and that's, uh, you know, you guys every day, you know, whether it's you and, and Dan and, and John Gillespie are, are paying it forward all the time, and I can't thank you guys enough. Now, you're going to be fishing with John Gillespie this week, correct? Yeah, we're uh, we're actually going out Monday and Tuesday. I think uh, John's coming in Monday. He'll be here. You know, he, he runs banker hours. He likes to put a little pressure on me all the time, you know. He shows up at 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know, we, we missed out on a good part of the night in the morning. But, uh, we'll, we'll get it done. Uh, you know, I love John, and, and, you know, I've been shooting with John since uh, May of 1992. So I've got a lot of years invested with John, and uh, I firmly believe that, you know, all the years, and, you know, everybody's had a take. You know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that have happened in my career. You know, one one is I ended up on billboards for one of my boat companies, you know, which I never thought would happen. And the other one was the induction into the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame in 2014. And I think John's been... Uh, you know, instrumental in that happening, and uh, I, I can't thank guys like John enough, you know, and obviously it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to this sport in order to have that happen, but there's been people that have helped me uh, get to that point in my career, obviously, and, and I want to thank John for that. So what are you guys going to be targeting? Is it going to be walleye, smallie, or a little multi-species gig? Well, when John comes here, you know, every time he comes for a Monday, Tuesday, that's typically what we'll do. But he, he always likes to try to get two shows with me. So what we'll try to do is get a smallmouth show on one of the days and then get a walleye show on the next day. So uh, that's a little out of pressure there, <laughs> you know, trying to get the two shows. So, yeah, that uh, doesn't well, always work because those darn fish don't read the same books we read. Yeah, it, uh, and then, you know, when you get a short day on Monday, it, it, it even makes it tougher, you know. It's, a lot of times it, it, it takes, uh, you know, a couple of days. You know, a lot of these people don't realize sometimes, you know, a lot of these national shows, they shoot for a week to get uh, 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Dale, that's right. Dale, you kind of alluded to something I was going to ask you before. Um, smallmouth, you mentioned that it took, like, forever to, uh, you know, a six, seven pound smallmouth is still hard to get. And I go up there the last couple of years and I'll catch a myriad of four pounders and a couple of five pounders. But that six, seven pounder, I know they're up there. I see some of the monsters caught during the tournaments, but I haven't caught them. Is, is, are they a different beast? Should I be areas, different techniques, or is it just the numbers game? <laughs> well, I got to I gotta, I gotta think how to handle this diplomatically. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, number one is, you know, with Facebook, you gotta watch some of the size of the fish. You know, I always like to kid around a little bit that Santa needs to bring some of these guys to do scale. But uh, secondly, I would say is, you know, these big fish. Number one, Dan, is you gotta be in the right spot at the right time as far as year. Uh, the, the, the months go. I mean, if you're up here uh, in May, 
in the first part of June, you got a real good shot at seeing, you know, that, that big fish. Um, if, if you're up here again in September and October and into November, you know, uh, you've got a real good chance of seeing those big fish. And, you know, to get those big fish like that, they're in there. Um, you know, with a lot of those fish, I think the biggest thing is you just have to be out on some of those inclement days, you know, where the weather is really nasty and it's cold because those are the days where a lot of times you're going to see a little better breed, if you will, of fish uh, participating. You may not catch as many, but you're going to you're going to get that one big fish that you may have been looking for for a lifetime, which everybody likes to refer to as your PB or your personal best. You know, Dan, uh, Dan, excuse me. <laughs> you know, I bet you're the type of fella, Dale, that when you have clients out that you enjoy seeing them catch the fish, that you, you don't want to catch that big one. You want them to do it. Am I correct? Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, and if you're, if, if, now don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm competitive, <laughs> you know, right, even with yeah. my customers, you know, I like to be a little competitive, but. You know, because that's just something that runs in my blood. But the bottom line is the, the customer is the one that really should be, you know, catching the big fish. And, uh, you know, to, to see them when they get those fish, it's so exciting. You know, I mean, that's really, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that still is keep me going today. Um, you know, it's people that, that, that respond on Facebook to me. Um, with the kind words and the thoughts that they share with me about, you know, if it wasn't for you, I, this would have never happened. You know, it's, it's those type of things, you know, it's getting involved with these high schools. You know, I'm, I'm involved with Burlington Slinger, uh, North Fond du Lac, Sturgeon Bay this year, Southern door, you know, I donated, uh, rods, reels to these, to these outdoor clubs, uh, Jiffy ice drills, Frable shelters, you know, and, and, and keeping our, our youth today because so many of these kids today, you know, you guys know, you see it, I see it. You know, they're hanging out in McDonald's parking lots. They're, they're just not, it's easy for them to take a wrong turn. And if you don't get involved in the outdoors, you miss, you miss out on so much of what life has to offer to you. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an advocate and a strong believer in keeping these kids involved. And giving them an opportunity, some of these parents financially don't have the means of getting these kids, you know, the equipment. So, um, and, and these high schools, man, I take my hat off to them for putting that into the curriculum uh, to have these outdoor clubs, to give these kids opportunities to be doing sporting clays and, and, and the opportunity for a teacher to take these kids out fishing. I mean, how cool is that? Because they're now going to have this opportunity that probably wouldn't exist to either stay away from making a wrong turn in, in, in life and uh, having an opportunity. You guys know as well as I do, it's not always about catching the fish. It's about just sitting out there and being able to take everything it's, in and have an opportunity to just unplug, if you will. It's the experience, right, Dale. I, I agree with you. And we were lucky enough to be raised. I was by a parent that hunted and fished. So it was just in my blood. But it's great that you're doing that. Uh, we appreciate what you're doing, you know, for the sport, giving back. Um, we're going to have to run to our break. We appreciate
for this segment. We hope that we can do it again. And uh, hopefully some of our listeners can uh, head, on, head on up to your resort and give you a call, do some great fishing this season. Yeah, guys, again, thank you so much. I, if I can, I just want to thank Dave Olson with 360 uh, Studio 360 uh, over there in Pewaukee. You know, he does a great job. But man, the guy's giving back to the community, uh, going around right now with this COVID-19, doing family portraits for these different people and not charging them a dime. And, uh, I mean, it's giving people, it was giving people some excitement and something in their life during a really tough time in everybody's uh, life and uh, giving them something to smile about. So thank you to Dave and thank you to you guys for what you do and appreciate everything. And, uh, man, for you guys to be devoted, like Tom, Dan, I don't know how long you've been doing it. I'm guessing you've been there quite a while with uh, Tom as well, but I know Tom's, been in it a long time so uh thank you to both you guys for what you do all right well, thanks Dale. for being on there we'll talk again soon okay all right guys take care been a pleasure right, talk to you later right. thanks thanks Bye-bye. Dale. all right we got to go to a break folks that was uh dale's Troshine. you can get a hold of them at uh, what was the name again of uh sand bay beach resort that's it if you just google sand bay beach resort you can get a hold of dale and uh, maybe get them out uh, fishing. I'll tell you one thing. If you go fishing with Dale, you're going to catch fish. Simple as that. Okay, we'll be right back, folks. We're brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. And this is the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tommy the True Newbauer coming at you live and hot from Lake Country. Beautiful Lake Country, I might say. And yeah, uh, I see I see people uh, carrying their rods and reels out to boats. I saw a couple boats launching. There's boats in the east end. There's more people over by the beach and fishing from the shore. Yeah, things are starting to heat up, Danny. How about that trolling? You see any of those walleye trollers sneaking here no, on the east end? No, not yet. But I'll tell you what, we're gonna, me and my uh, boys are going to give that a try. Definitely. Yeah, I'm not sure what these guys are trolling. I'm guessing probably some rapalas, small crankbaits. Uh, the thing right now, Tom, is that the weeds are way down on the east end, whereas mm-hmm. sometimes this time of year you can't even, it becomes weed choked right to the Right, yeah, now, right now, I think now it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, with this late spring, it's kind of keeping that weed growth down, and uh, it's making it a lot more fishable. Now, once those weeds start, you know, coming up thick, there can still be some great fishing on this east end. Now, Steve Milliot was the master of it. That guy would drive me find the spot on a spot, some kind of pocket. You know, where I'd look out at that east end, I'd see nothing but thick weeds that I didn't didn't even want to drive my motor through. And he'd be in some obscure spot, and he would find pockets of fish in some of these little lanes and alleys and holes in the weeds. So, time out there, there's always muskies to be had on this east end. Well, another thing, too, is with, uh, with these weeds being down the way they are on the east end, if you're going to err in depth or in, in depth of uh, crankbait you're using, you should err in uh, 
keeping it higher or in other words not a big diver you keep it higher in the water column i mean what are you looking at out here five six feet of water and uh, you're better off having that thing only down two feet rather than trying to get it down four or five feet because let's face it most of the time fish are feeding upward and uh so you know using that like that number nine number 11 rapala oh that'd be perfect i think i think that would just be perfect or any kind of lure that's got some kind of rattle in it that only goes down a couple feet yeah definitely you know one of the baits tom that i think at least myself sometimes i get i get kind of i've i've kind of forgot about is uh, the Rapala, your basic floating Rapala. Because now, you know, we've got thunder sticks, we got flicker minnows, we, we got oh, yeah. this, we got that. But I'll tell you what, you want to just tie a regular floating Rapala on, and if you really want good action, tie direct to the, uh, to, to the uh, nose of the Rapala as opposed to using a snap. I mean, there's hardly a better lure. I mean, that's why it's been world famous. Yeah, and you know, there's all there's that handful of lures, Dan, that have have proven successful for the last I don't know how many years, 30, 40, 50 years. The Rapala is one of them. The Mep Spinner is one of them. You know, I mean, there's there's a handful of lures that just won't go away. They continue to catch fish, you know, year in and year out. And that Rapala, I remember telling you a few years ago, my son and I were on. Uh, 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 Nisho- uh, not Nashota, uh, Namabin, Lower Namabin. And, uh, and fishing started getting tough. So I said to my son, I says, by golly, I happen to have one of these Rapalas in here. It was like a number 13. I said, I want to throw this on because there were weeds around, you know, and I knew this thing would only go about a foot down. So, you know, I wouldn't get, you know, hung up in the weeds. I caught more bass that day with that goofy Rapala than anything else. Man, I'm telling you, that was awesome. And you can work it like a topwater. You can crank it in steady. You know, you can work it several different ways. So I would, and you know, they're definitely great baits. Without you a know, doubt. and here's and here's a tip, Tom, too. Now, you can use the little uh, duo locks little coast lock snaps and get them small enough and you can still get a great action on your crankbait in fact i'm going to be up in door county now in a week and a half fishing the smallies and using the jerk baits i used to tie direct until our bass pro friend ron johnson who who knows maybe he'll be joining us next week saturday i know he's with me up there um he he showed me that he still uses those little dual kind those small snaps and he gets plenty good action out of those small little jerk bait crank baits the x wrap and so forth so i have gone to that because you don't have to always retie uh, but another friend of mine who i used to fish the brown trout out by uh, oak creek there by the uh, power plant he always insisted on on tying directly to the rapala he liked the floating blue rapala floating orange and one of the best knots if you want to get the absolute best action out of a floating rapala is use a uni knot what you do is you you cinch it up tight on the main line but you leave a loop you don't cinch it all the way down to the i guess the eye of the rapala or whatever you call it and you leave like that loop and that gives maximum action on your Rapala. And then if a fish does hit, it doesn't hurt if that knot slides and tightens up against the lure. doesn't hurt a thing. So that's one tip if you really want to get the best action out of a Rapala. 
Yeah, when you uh, when you buy a wrap leather, it comes with a little sheet. Usually, well, they used to. I don't know if they do anymore. It came with a little sheet of paper, and there was a knot. I think they called it a loop knot. I think where you, you know it would leave that loop, but it wouldn't slide up or down anymore. It would stay put. And I don't. Do you remember that one? If it was called a loop knot or something like that? I. You know what? It it does ring a bell, and I. I don't think Rapala, I just bought it, you know, it's amazing. I went and bought some new Rapalas. I hadn't bought a Rapala in, you know, 30 years. I had them in the box. But I bought a couple couple new ones for the brown trout trolling on Lake Michigan. And I do not believe that they had that. But I, I, thinking back, I, I recall that. And that's kind of the same idea with the with the uni knot sy- right, system as right. well. But if you can put a loop, man, there, that just has such a, a, a great... Ad- it's amazing. In fact, you start thinking about baits, you forgot about it. You know, Tom, what would your Mount Rushmore of baits be? I'll tell you what mine would be. I've been watching a lot of ESPN, and they've tried to have the Mount Rushmore of uh, basketball players where they're naming the four greatest, I guess. Mine would have to be a Rapala, a Daredevil, and a Johnson Silver Minnow. Yeah, your middle, your second one was a Mips. You uh, cut out on that one. Well, to me, it depends on what kind of fish I'm fishing for, because different species, I have different favorites. But we can talk about that after this break. Uh, there was something I was going to tell you. By golly, I'm forgetting a lot this morning. You know why I'm forgetting? Because I'm sitting here watching the lake, watching people going out, watching the people on the shore fishing, and I'm not thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's doing a radio show. But but uh, we'll get into that. Some of the Mount Rushmore baits. We'll go, let's say, fish by fish when we seven, come back. Nine, that seven down? nine nine twelve fifty. Give us a call with your Mount Rushmore. There we go. We'll be right back with more, folks. You're listening to 105.7 FM, The Fan. to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, we are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. Put that on your bait when you get out there and catch some big fish, my friends. And uh, we have a caller, Sam. Yep, we got Dan and Fox Point around the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Morning, Hi, Dan. Dan. Hey, guys. Um, I enjoyed your um, bobcat story. I got a different <laughs> perspective. I've, I've uh-huh. got, a, I got a friend that um, has a cottage in, in uh, Mercer, and he was uh, driving down a road on a winter day and uh, looked up in front of him where he was coming to a, a turn in the road, and he sees something up in a tree, and uh, Bobcat jumps down on top of a, of a doe and takes it to the ground. He gets out of his car. He's filming this whole thing, walking down the road, and by the time he got to the Near the um, activity, the uh, bobcat sees them, um, jumps up, takes off. Meanwhile, the uh, deer was uh, breathing some of its last breaths and was done. So Wow. So, um, you know, they, they take down and uh, kill a fair amount of deer during uh, the course of the year in Wisconsin. And uh, I think that guy had his juggler um, open. He might not be living to tell that story. That is an incredible story wow. oh my god what yeah. do you do with that video did he post it or something 
Um, no, I, I asked him to send it to me, and he did, but my copy was really crummy. Um, if I talk to him um, next week or two, maybe I can get him to send that to you guys. Oh, that'd be great. Because I'm, sure, I'm sure he still got it um, in, a, in a good shape, whereas, again, mine was really uh, bad quality. I could kind of see what was going on, but it was nowhere near what he showed us um, when we were at his cabin a year or two ago. Yeah, that's uh, CEO guys at yahoo.com. Okay. So, so when you saw it, oh, you said you saw it at the cabin, yeah. it was clear? Yeah, it was pretty clear. And, yeah, no, uh, he, did, was, he was narrating the whole thing. Now, does he have it up in the tree first and then jumping on the deer or after no, once it's on um, the deer? I, I think he said he saw it in the tree. I don't think. Uh, he started filming until he got parked the car and got out and started walking toward the activity. But you could see um, the deer um, with this thing kind of on it. And then when he got closer, the deer, uh, I'm sorry, the bobcat ran away, and the deer um, kind of lifted its head about two or three times and then collapsed and basically bled out. That's wow. amazing. Wow, that is. Yeah. And then, well, that... And then, yeah, and then he um, came back, you know, later that day or something, and the thing had covered it with snow. He'd eaten a little bit and covered it with snow. Then he stopped back a week later, and the whole thing was uh, ripped to shreds, so the wolves or the coyotes probably got it by then. Sure. Well, I, yeah. I imagine that bobcat was pretty bummed because he put in all that work to kill this doe, and then some <laughs> dang tourist has to come walking up with his cell phone camera and wreck his meal. Yeah, exactly. But he did get his meal later because once he left, I'm sure he came back and started nibbling. Yeah, the uh, the, the interesting thing about cats, from what I understand, is they kill by uh, um, strangulation, where sometimes they'll kind of latch onto the nose snout of their prey when you look at the African lions or the cougars or whatever, and they, they'll kind of latch on there and try and suffocate them. They'll also go for the throat, like you said. That's yeah. one luck, lucky turkey hunter. Well, today I'm going to be in a blind, and so I don't think any bobcats can jump on me. Plus, my turkey calling sucks, so I don't think I'm going to fool any bobcat, much less any turkeys. Well, there you go. Hey, um, as far as the um, Mount Rushmore of baits, like the walleye fish, and so my favorite is a little Joe Spinner, okay. uh, Lindy Rig, and uh, Rapala is probably my three. There you go. That's all it takes. All right, hey, thanks right, for guys. calling. We got to run. Yep, bye, guys. All right, thanks. bye now. Now, Great Danny, story. you be careful when you're up there turkey hunting. I don't want no bobcat jumping on your head. Well, <laughs> be quiet and careful when hunting the wily turkey. Yeah, I'm going turking. I'm yeah, going to turk, turkey. and then I'm going to post it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, goodness. Nobody I can't wants wait to see me back turking. in the studio. You know, this is fun, but I can't wait till we get back into the studio. Like I said, I'm getting too distracted by watching all these people on the lake. <laughs> all right, that's all I got, Danny. That's all I week. got. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening, my friends. We'll be back next week. Oh, and Loie has two boat slips. Go to Call Smokey's Bait Shop. Boat slip. Talk to you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.